FM Ann Arbor. I am Don Pataki for the WCBN Sports Crew. I will leave you with my favorite Journey song, Faithfully. Okay, well, that song. Ted Cruz is the best looking man I know. Whoa, whoa. What whoa, the hell whoa. kind of a song was that? Well, hopefully it's not his uh, theme song. <laughs> I'll send voters to the uh, to the exit ramps quickly. Well, anyway, welcome uh, to uh, another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And the Michigan primary is tomorrow. And quite interesting for quite some time the Michigan primary matters uh, I don't think it's going to be decisive uh, but I think it's going to be indicative of uh, things to come and we really have a competitive race on both sides pretty much uh, I don't put too much stock in some of these lame polls that have been published uh, using a sample of 400 people but I think what it does show, particularly on the Republican side, is the uh, the number of undecided votes that are still out there. And those votes can be won uh, by anybody except Marco Rubio. <laughs> I think his presidential ambitions were, are going to be decided next week in Florida, which I don't think he's going to win. But uh, I suspect he'll finish fourth tomorrow. But we'll see. And when is Florida? Is Florida also tomorrow? Florida is next week. That's uh, he's, He'll but, hang in through that. Yeah. But I think the writing's already on the wall for Rubio. Yeah, it it, it is. And see, the the key is uh, is that Florida is a winner take all situation. So over the weekend, of course, Donald Trump uh, urged Marco. We won't call him Little Marco. We'll let Trump do that. Um, he urged him to get out of the race. Uh, Sunday, Marco Rubio won Puerto Rico. <laughs> I thought, boy, that's a, that's a really good resume for, for Marco Rubio. He, he won Minnesota, the only state in America that hasn't voted for a Republican in a presidential election since 1972. Nixon carried Minnesota. That was the last Republican to actually win the state of Minnesota. The Democrats have won Minnesota in every single presidential election. And he won Puerto Rico, which isn't even a state. <laughs> so no delegates there. He gets some delegates for the convention, but I'm not too sure. 
how you cachet the Puerto Rican delegation into a winning coalition with the remainder of the Republican Party that is uh, starting to look like a fractured mess. Well, you know, in a way, this is finally bubbled to the surface because the Republican Party has had kind of serious issues within its own big tent. Remember when parties used to refer to their massed supporters as the big tent? There's room in the big tent for everybody. And when a platform used to matter and you'd be argued about, uh, nowadays, of course, all the uh, media hype is on the uh, primary campaigns. Conventions, it's already a done deal by then, but uh, it used to be that conventions were where it all sort of got worked out. Sure. And uh, they were 68 being the last uh, sort of backroom deal convention and the modern political era really began with the McGovern reforms of 1972. I mentioned George McGovern because I think that's clearly a constituency that Bernie is going to carry in the state of Michigan. But the problem with the state of Michigan and the reason this election is kind of interesting is you have a kind of an interesting breakdown where Donald Trump is going to get the George Wallace vote. Ted Cruz is going to get the Pat Buchanan vote. Kasich is kind of gunning for the Gerald Ford vote. Uh, Sanders will get the McGovern vote. And Hillary is kind of going for the um, Christine Todd Whitman, Edith Bunker vote. Uh, along with uh, the bona fides she has uh, in the African-American community that are real. Um, let's remember she, she did work on voter registration drives uh, when she was a young woman. Uh, Bill Clinton is uh, one of her main surrogates, <laughs> the main surrogate. And he has good uh, bona fides in the civil rights movement. This is why the Black Congressional Caucus endorsed Hillary Clinton 44 to nothing just a couple weeks ago. It was a sort of an underreported story. Those, of course, are super delegates, quote-unquote, who uh, frequently will change their vote. They're not committed delegates. But the one of the abstentions, by the way, in that uh, vote was uh, Elijah Cummings, who is the ranking member of the Benghazi Committee. So it's quite obvious that he abstained for strategic reasons. He wants to remain uh, the defender of Hillary Clinton in that sort of witch hunt committee that's been going on. So it's a very interesting election. I'm not too sure where Rubio's support is going to come from. Well, remember the 1976 Republican uh, convention where Reagan's oh, challenge yeah. to Ford? I mean, this is the sort of thing that over the weekend— Mitt Romney brings a bag of muffins to the uh, announcement uh, podium. And did you hear or read Romney's comments? Oh, yeah, yeah. R Romney's comments were right on the money. But, of course, he was immediately attacked uh, by a lot of elements, They're, even within the Republican Party. They, they were right on the money about more than just Trump. Yeah. Much of what he said could apply to any Republican candidate, including himself. Sure. For the last five cycles. So this party has, their demise has been prophesized uh, for, for quite some time now. Oh, the Republicans are finished when, you know, uh, 
W ruined the economy, you know. Uh, but uh, there's a little bit of a bounce back a couple years later as the, uh, in part, the racist reaction to the election of a first black president uh, brings a uh, resurgent tide to the Tea Party movement. Uh, but uh, these are the death throes of the Republican Party, I think, is what we've got going here. Well, it's, it certainly looks like it. I mean, I think that Romney's attempt was, um, you know, it was it, there was an interesting historical observation about Romney's speech because it was given out in Utah. I, it, it doesn't really matter what the organization that he gave it to, but it, of course, received national headlines. Trump immediately denounced Romney. Romney was talking about uh, Trump's candidacy, the sophomoric elements of it, the insults, the fact that uh, the president is a, quote, role model for our children, unquote. And uh, frankly, Romney, I think, was right on the money. The problem with Romney's critique was that he might not have been the most credible messenger of that speech. Well, everybody knows those things already about yes. Trump. It's like, of course, <laughs> we know that. Yeah. So it's like, yes, you're right, but it's too late. It's too late. You've and built this chamber of uh, horrors uh, to appeal to the lowest common denominator, intellectually speaking, voter-wise, the angry haters. And you're surprised when a big, loudmouth, angry hater elbows his way to the front of the room? Well, and the thing that's interesting Shock. is is this phrase that suddenly emerged called the con man. Uh, of course, Rubio and Cruiser con men as well. Uh, John Case is just is kind of running his on his record in his mainstream Republican um, history. He's not an egomaniac, but it's very interesting analyzing the demise of Marco Rubio because there's this been this strange phenomenon over the last couple of weeks where the mainstream Republican Party has decided that Rubio is going to be their savior. And I keep just calm, say the signs. I keep going, what are these guys doing? If they want to get behind somebody, Kasich is by far uh, the credible person to continue the three-man race. He's a competent manager who's moderate in temperament Yeah, and uh, is, you'd think, right-wing enough for most Republicans. Plenty right-wing. And the thing is, is that early in the debate uh, uh, circus that has been going on now for seven months, uh, it was Kasich and, and Jeb Bush that were attacking Trump. They were getting nowhere <laughs> in the polls. They were going, well, Kasich was going from two to four, he he put in his time and his effort completely into New Hampshire, and it, and it paid off. He finished second. He got like sixteen percent of the vote. <laughs> I mean, this is this is this is how bad this party is right now. And look at these pathetic caucus events that are occurring. The Republican Party moves up the Kentucky Republican Caucus over the weekend, which, by the way, Trump won, uh, to accommodate Rand Paul. There apparently is a state law that prohibits a candidate from being on the ballot for two different offices at the same time. What, are the, what does the Republican Party decide they're going to do? Well, we'll have a caucus on a Saturday, because caucuses, the, the party makes up their own rules. Well, what were the rules in Kentucky? 
it didn't matter what county you lived in. I think Kentucky has something like 110 counties. There was one place to vote. You had to drive to your caucus meeting place, wherever it might be, one place in the entire county. This is not like a primary that we think of, that we're, Michigan is going to have tomorrow, where it's a legitimate free-for-all. People can vote for who they want to. It's an open primary. Mm-hmm. Independents can choose their ballot. Basically, you go to the, the clerk when you, when you stand in line, if you have to stand in line. Uh, Ann Arbor usually doesn't have that problem because they have enough people working at the polls. But America is this hodgepodge of capricious, ridiculous rules about voting and how elections are conducted. It's outrageous. The Democrats, by the way, in Kentucky are having an, an actual primary in about three months, sometime in May. So I guess it's more like two months. But the point is, the Republicans changed the rules to accommodate Rand Paul. He's not even in the race. It's, 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 it's surreal. And the turnout in some of these caucus events is minuscule. Our democracy is collapsing. There are many reasons for it. But, uh, yeah, this, this last Republican debate is an embarrassment to the United States of America. These are grown men talking about the size of their hands. Uh you people in the caucus over there, show your hands and go over in the corner if you're going to vote for Marco Rubio. Well, basic high school forensics, uh, in, which, by the way, is not really taught anymore. I don't yeah. know if there are even uh, independently run uh, debate clubs in high schools currently. I don't think there are, uh, which is too bad because it's a great skill to engage in an argumentative discourse politely and following uh, form and procedure. Yeah, and by uh, the way, Ted Cruz is very good in the debates. Uh, if you, you know, I don't agree with Ted Cruz on one blasted thing on policy, on all of his crazy ideas, and all this claim about the Constitution. Well, he's at his best when he's saying things like "count to ten, Donald." Oh yeah, uh, he was great at know, that <laughs> needling. Right, and he. Did stay out of the fray, but he kept calling Trump a con man, a phony, not a conservative, on and on and on. And just for the record, Ted, uh, why don't you read Article 2, Section 2 of the United States Constitution? It's called the Advice and Consent Treaties Clause of the United States Senate regarding uh, the appointment of uh, people to the Supreme Court. It is right there in the it's, text. It's right there. So much for originalism. And well, so much for Sarah Palin's endorsement of Trump in Alaska. He lost. <laughs> Have we seen Sarah Palin since Iowa and those disastrous speeches? <laughs> Meanwhile, Ted Cruz is searching for endorsements. He can't find many because he doesn't seem to have too many friends in Washington, which is part of his argument, Rubio seems to have lots of friends. They're doing him no good. And, of course, Donald Trump's new best friend, Governor Chris Christie, who's now a stage prop for Donald Trump's uh, victory speeches. What did he do the other night on Super Tuesday? He held a press conference. <laughs> 
that was uh, a kind of unprecedented in American history. I'll hold a press conference <laughs> rather than give a victory speech where he asked questions. Christie, by the way, was was there for that. And I don't know why Chris Christie is following Donald Trump around. I don't know whether he's been hired as a bodyguard. <laughs> but I've noticed that Trump, his skin is starting to get more like John Boehner's. I think he's borrowing the... He's slowing down a bit. He is slowing down, and he's gained some weight. So <laughs> I think Jumbo has been <laughs> hired to make Trump look thinner. Well, and Palin, of course, has been abandoned <laughs> because she's already quite thin. Cue the, cue the cricket noise. <laughs> and that just makes Trump look worse. Uh, and I don't know who wears more makeup, Palin or Trump, but that well, is what inquiring minds the, the are thing continuing to ask Americans. That's really baffling uh, about this you know, presentation by Romney, because now the talk today on Fox this afternoon is, uh, is Romney expecting to be sort of inserted at the last minute as the candidate? Uh, he hasn't said he wouldn't do that. Um, I don't think anybody would vote for Romney again this time, and I, I don't think that's Mitt's intention here. No. But by openly saying, everybody who's voted for Trump so far, we don't really want your vote, your support of this candidate who we do not deem acceptable uh, renders your votes unacceptable. So if uh, that's why there's this talk about a broker convention, I think uh, there's a reason Trump is doing well amongst the Republican demographic and for the Republican elites to openly condemn uh, the voters who are selecting Trump just hastens the demise of the party. Well, it does. And Which the is fine. Don't get yeah. me wrong. And the party has always been a, a strange hodgepodge of coalitions. Most, quote, parties, great parties in terms of uh, electoral dominance have been. Certainly the grand coalition that FDR organized in the 1930s kept the Democrats as a political party in a dominant position for many, many years. Um, it was... Of course, in 1968, at the Democratic Convention that led to the clashes within the factions of the Democratic mm -hmm. Party that, quite frankly, took them many years to recover from. It really was Bill Clinton and the DNC. And one can critique the DNC for all sorts of, of nonsense, but I, I don't think there's any question that Bill Clinton is not embarrassed to say, I am a politician. That's what we're electing. It's been pointed out that Donald Trump uh, would be the least qualified president in American history. <laughs> He's never held elected office. Uh, and it shows. And let's remember who some of our businessmen have been. You hear this argument from uh, these people interviewed on the street. We need a businessman to get everything straightened out. Rick Snyder? Wait, wasn't he a businessman? George W. Bush? Undoubtedly the worst president in American history, hence explaining the difficulties that Jeb, <laughs> Jeb had. Uh, Jeb couldn't run on George Bush's, Bush's record, and that was part of his problem. No one could run on that record. He, he couldn't defend his brother, but he certainly wasn't going to throw him under the bus. Um, you know, that's what Donald Trump does. <laughs> 
Uh, and Donald Trump, of course, is now apologizing and explaining all sorts of inconsistencies. The Fox News debate on Thursday, of course, was was a disaster and an embarrassment to the United States of America. Um, Ted Cruz, I don't agree with a word the guy says, but at least he's credible. <laughs> Marco Rubio, by the way, to give you an idea of how dumb this guy is, <clears throat> he switched his position on immigration because he was part of the Gang of Eight. This is, this, is, this is the explanation for his demise. He switched his position on this to accommodate a more conservative electorate in the Republican Party, only to discover that Ted Cruz was attacking him in debate after debate on the immigration issue for switching his position for noting that he was part of the Gang of Eight. Well, dude, you represent the state of Florida. The state of Florida is not Archie Bunker territory on the uh, immigration issue. Switching your position to a more right-wing position is not going to help you in the state of Florida. So what are you doing? You're trying to appeal. You're trying to fool the voters, the con game, and you got caught at it. Yeah, you, you can't pretend like your own state's interests... Uh earn a factor. Right. So you go against the interests of your own political career under the theory that this will help you with the base. Hmm. What is the base of the Republican Party? They keep talking about these working class Americans that like Trump. Uh, I think a lot of these people that like Trump are not working class. They're non-working class. They have a lot of time on their hands. <laughs> working class people have to go to work. They don't have time to show up to Donald Trump rallies. And when he keeps talking about bringing in all these people into the party, well, congratulations, the John Birch Society and the Ku Klux Klan have come in from out of the cold. Into the big tent. They're in the big tent. Well, they're hoping to do well in the, uh, with regards to Michigan, of course, uh, Macomb County is famous for the uh, origin of the phrase Reagan Democrat. Sure. It's associated with Macomb County. And, of course, Trump, Trump is polling well here and is expected to do well. Um, but, of course, the key counties now in Michigan that will determine the winner is, are Kent County and Oakland County. Uh, Macomb County is not as important as it used to be. Oakland is by far the biggest county. This is where the suburban sprawl right. exists. And this is where the votes and the undecideds live. These votes are up for grabs. It's pretty well documented that last second deciders are not going to Donald Trump. So I suspect that Donald Trump may win a plurality tomorrow, narrowly, but I don't think he's going to blow away the field. And this is his problem. In other words, it wasn't as great of a week for Donald Trump as you might think. Right. But next week probably will be, because I think he will knock Rubio out. And I think the remaining... $64,000. And Cruz is staying in no matter what. This guy actually has some victories in his back pocket that are legitimate. He crushed Donald Trump in Texas. Well, here's where Trump's lack of an organization is showing. Yeah. Trump, Trump has people on the ground. Uh, or excuse me. Cruz has people on the ground. Trump is the hot air machine. Yeah. He's got a bunch of mops. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the mops don't vote. Um, but Cruz, I think, is in it for the long haul. 
And the $64,000 question, I think, becomes, can John Kasich do well enough, quote, unquote, exceed expectations, unquote? This is a kind of a bogus. He has to do at least second. Concept, I think, that the media has invented. But if he finishes second and wins Ohio, because I think his chances of winning Ohio are significantly better than Rubio's chances of winning Florida. I would agree with that. I, I just don't. I, I think Marco Rubio is finished. And I don't. The, 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 this last second bandwagon of mainstream Republicans jumping on and endorsing him. First of all, the endorsements aren't going to help. <laughs> so, the, you know, the, the three quarters of the Republican voting electorate in these primaries are voting for Trump or Cruz. Where's your political science here? I mean, this is a rebellion. Uh, Bernie has used the word revolution. I wish the revolution uh, would be televised, but it's not. There isn't any revolution occurring. None of these incumbent Republicans who are involved in obstructionism are getting thrown out. Why on earth would Richard Shelby, for instance, win handily his reelection uh, primary in Alabama? The guy's 82. He's an obstructionist. He hasn't allowed a, 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 a nominee or nomination through the banking committee in six months because he, he didn't want to make it look like he was cooperating with the Obama administration. So all of that work is being held up. Uh, the, 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 this government is a disgrace to the United States Constitution. And when I see Ted Cruz waving around his Constitution and claiming that he's the constitutionalist, I become a little worried. And as for Bernie, I think Bernie is going to hang in the races no matter what. He's at Chrysler, of course, this afternoon. Uh, perhaps right now. I'm not sure of the timing on that. Right yeah, now, at right this now. moment, yeah. But he he can't get blown out by these margins that he got blown out in in Texas. He won Vermont with 80% of the vote. Texas had 250 delegates. Vermont had 26. <laughs> um, he got crushed in Texas. He got crushed in Virginia, Georgia. These are gigantic states. Um, ben Carson finally figured out it. it's about delegates. Do, 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 do. That was his quote. Now there's a made-for-TV movie about his story. Oh, great. I Just what we needed. I was wondering if he was going to make a cameo in the newly found O.J. Simpson case. <laughs> <laughs> After all, he's a surgeon. Strangely, I think he's being played by uh, the actor who's portraying O.J. in that, the People versus O.J. Simpson movie. <laughs> just, just what America needed. I think, of course, in the Democratic side, we haven't talked too much about them. Well, ultimately, I still see, regardless of how well Bernie continues to do or not do, that uh, when all is said and done in November, the one will support and work with the other. Yeah, uh, most of Bernie's supporters. But I think there is an element of Bernie's supporters that hate Hillary so much that they will uh, either vote for Trump or uh, sit the election out. I think that's a small fraction, but I think that Bernie's uh, made some tactical blunders in the last couple of weeks. Uh, More debates are not going to help Bernie. Uh, Hillary does fine in the debates. Bernie's problem in the debates is that he sticks to a stump speech a little bit too much, and he makes more mistakes, I think, than Hillary. Hillary is a very uh, crafty debater, um, 
people will critique her for that, calling her a politician, and that Bernie is authentic. But I think we're getting the authenticity from Hillary Clinton that is Hillary Clinton. I don't think she's fooling anybody. This is a woman that ran for president. She got 17 million votes in 2008. She's not chopped liver. She's held big, important positions. Uh, the email scandal, nothing. Um, nothing's happened with the email scandal. They've all been released. Can anybody in America name one email that has any relevance whatsoever? Okay, the government has decided to reclassify some of the emails. She didn't send them. She received them. Emails. Everybody loves sending emails. Nobody likes reading them. <laughs> delete, delete. <laughs> Nobody likes reading them. Uh, they're, they're, a, they're too time-consuming. And well, most been, of them are irrelevant. Yeah, and it's an increasing part of the daily workload, too. But uh, actually, speaking of jokes, which I guess the whole email controversy is, kind of hilarious uh, zingers from Joe Biden at a weekend function called the Gridiron, where oh, politicians... Yes. Uh, roast themselves and sort of, you know, make light of uh, current events. This is so funny. It bears repeating for those who haven't seen this. It's in today's New York Times. And this is Vice President Joe Biden talking. Uh, Look, I told Barack, if you really, really want to remake the Supreme Court, nominate Ted Cruz. Uh, Mr. Biden said at the annual gridiron dinner, according to excerpts from his prepared speech released by his office. Uh, Here's the here's the punchline. Uh, before you know it, Mr. President, you'll have eight vacancies on the court. Yeah. The joke being that Cruz is so insufferable, all the other justices would quit. Or die. <laughs> or die. Die in his presence. And then at the end of uh, Biden's presentation, uh, he uh, jokes about having been uh, ushered to the stage to the tune of A Hail to the Chief, which, of course, is the president's song, not the vice president's. But uh, upon taking the podium, Biden uh, jokingly sort of mumbled, oh, I love that song. Um, The other day, he said, I walked into the Oval Office and said, uh, hey, Barack, I think you should resign. Uh, The president said to join the Supreme Court. And Mr. Biden said, sure, whatever. (laughs) So uh, could Obama nominate himself to the Supreme Court? Well, who knows? Uh, But uh, Donald Trump's been having problems with his theme song. Uh, just this to let you, is true. Uh, Adele has uh, protested, and others cease have and desist as well. Just to let you know, we're out of time here on WCBN. Yazoo City Calling is coming up next on this fine station. But Donald Trump, we know what his theme song is now going to be: Chuck Berry's "My Dingaling." <laughs> yes, this is Yazoo City Calling on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. My name's Sarah, and I'm filling in. For, yeah, filling in today is Monday, and um, I'm going to play a lot of women. I hope you enjoy. Filling in for Jerry. Opportunity is knocking at your door. Opportunity knocks but once and don't come back no more. Grab it in the night, grab it in the day. Grab it right now, it'll get away You better snatch and grab it Snatch and grab it Better snatch and grab it Before it gets away Grab it in the east Grab it in the west Grab it in the place where you hold it best You better snatch and grab it Snatch 
snatch and grab it Better snatch and grab it before it gets away Oh, oh, oh. 